It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Got a bunch of different podcasts. Really enjoyed the show with Nick Underhill on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. We dove deep into the Saints. By the way, I think he made some good points from a fantasy perspective about Alvin Kamara, about Michael Thomas, about Jarvis Landry, and especially about Chris Olave. Make sure you check out the most recent Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I also got to tell you, I don't pay attention that much at the start of the show to the graphics that we use. For those of you that watch YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, they're amazing. I mean, shout out Intern Casey. They are amazing. Uh, Very, very proud of those. Love them. Absolutely love them. Almost as much as I love my co-host, Joe Dolan. You can check him out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. The key to everything is go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 22 feast. That and only that is how you can go ahead and get an awesome discount for the 22 season from fantasypoints.com. Hello there, Joe. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I should mention, by the way, my social handle was at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. Really appreciate those of you that retweet or like or you like on Instagram or you whatever on love on Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Whatever it is that you do, I love it. TikTok, I'm on TikTok now at Ross Tucker NFL. And as you heard, if you listen or watch the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, I really appreciate the five-star ratings on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We, not just me, we really appreciate the five-star ratings. By the way, Joe, when did, did you already do the wedding or is the wedding coming up? I did it this past weekend. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I did. Now, we're gonna, listen, we're going to get into Joe's rookie running back dynasty rankings. So we'll get into that momentarily. Because we're wrapping up our series on the rookie dynasty rankings every position. So we did receivers, we did quarterbacks, we did tight ends. Didn't need a guest because we are doing running backs. There's a lot to get to. But before we do that, Joe, you were the officiant for your sister's wedding? Indeed. I am an ordained minister by the Universal Life Church in beautiful Modesto, California, Ross. Uh, so, uh, yes, I am an ordained minister. I don't have my uh, I don't have my credentials sitting here right now. Uh, I could flash them to you, but I even have a nice little card to put in my wallet to show that I am an ordained minister. So I have one of those. I, hey, if you need to be wedded on the go, I am, uh, I am an ordained minister. There are four states that do not recognize marriages by the Universal Life Church in beautiful Modesto, California. There are eight, however, that explicitly recognize marriages by the Universal Life Church in beautiful Modesto, California. 
One is South Carolina, where I live. Another is Pennsylvania, where my sister and you live. So for those of you who want a, a, a lovely wedding, uh, uh, I'm your man. I'm your man. Just please pay airfare for me, uh, but I'll be there. So wh- whose idea was this? Uh, that was my sister's idea. Um, this is the second time I've done this. The first time, though, um, I wasn't actually um, I wasn't actually ordained because the, the bride and groom had actually gotten married privately by the Justice of the Peace, and then they just had a ceremony and all the hoopla that goes with this. So I wasn't actually ordained for that. This one I got ordained for. So I have now officiated two weddings uh, in my life. Um, uh, I thought I did an all right job, Ross. I mean, uh, and then I got out of the way. You know, my, my duties were done, then I'm out of the way, and I'm enjoying myself. But it was a nice weekend. My, my sister had food trucks at the wedding. You know what? I, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking as somebody who, you know, at our wedding, we had the old, uh, uh, the traditional, you know, your steak and your chicken and your fish and all that. You know what? Sometimes when I want to go to a wedding, I don't want an overcooked steak or a rubbery piece of chicken. Because, you know, you go to a wedding and you get the steak. They have to make them all, like, medium. Because, you know, you don't want to undercook it and make somebody sick. So, I'm, I'm, I, 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 have food trucks, you know. Go get pizza or something. Like, yeah, that, that makes a wedding unique for me. So, good job to my sister getting the food trucks. Honestly, man, I wanted to get married at my high school gym with a keg of yingling and GNA pizza. Like There you go. Like, we could have saved a ton of money. All anybody really cares about is free drinks and the music. And the food's almost secondary. So, I don't know. Uh, My wife didn't go for it, though. Shocking, I know, as that may be. Um, Speaking of shocking, Joe, I'm not going to say that your rankings are shocking, but I was not really surprised by your number one rookie running back, Brees Hall, that one seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, Brees Hall was the first running back off the board. Um, there was a lot of, uh, of of speculation that he might go in the first round uh, to the Buffalo Bills. As a matter of fact, I think Brees Hall was the most mocked player to the Buffalo Bills uh, in the in, in uh, pre-draft process. Not a shock at all to see him come off the board number 36 overall, this time to the New York Jets, who I believe traded up Uh uh, um, to go get Brees Hall at number 36 overall. And Brees Hall is, has it all. You know, I think Greg Cosell called him a total package. Um, he's elite by counting stats, um, solid to great by efficiency stats. And he also tested out of the building uh, in Indianapolis. Look, teams in the NFL use multiple running backs these days. We understand that. Michael Carter is a very good receiver. But Michael Carter carried fourth-round draft capital. Um, the Jets trading up for Brees Hall to get him in the second round. I don't consider Michael Carter all that much of a threat to the New York Jets and then to Brees Hall in this backfield. Brees Hall is easily my number one dynasty RB in this class, presuming you need a running back. As a matter of fact, not even presuming you need a running back. Given the differences of opinion on the wide receivers in this class. And Ross, you've had multiple people on this podcast who love Drake London. You've had multiple people on this podcast who are a little skeptical of Drake London. He was the first receiver off the board. I I think Brees Hall, 
given the opportunity he's going to get, given his prospect profile, given the draft capital, is the obvious 1-1 in rookie dynasty drafts without a super flex. And heck, even with a super flex, I might take him at 1-1, given the nature of this quarterback class as well. Brees Hall is the total package. I'm also drafting him as an RB2 in redraft this year. I expect Brees Hall to get a lot of work. Uh, Lance Zierlein, Matt Bowen, um, obviously two respected names in the draft industry, compared Brees Hall to Matt Forte. We remember Matt Forte was a hell of a fantasy back for a good number of years. Yeah, I mean, who'd you say, Bowen and Zerline? Yes, they, they, they both compared him to Matt Forte. I don't recall Greg Cosell having an exact comparison. Greg, Greg you know how Greg does it. If a comparison doesn't come to mind, he's not going to make one. But Matt Forte, I can see that with Brees Hall. I remember Matt Forte was instantaneously a bell cow when he came out of Tulane. As a matter of fact, let me uh, bring up Matt Forte's rookie numbers. Matt Forte had 1,238 rushing yards, 477 receiving yards, and he had 12 touchdowns as a rookie. He was a second-round pick out of Tulane with the Chicago Bears in 2008. If Brees Hall does that, I mean, it's going to be an all-time great rookie season. I'm not expecting that, but Brees Hall has the kind of skill set where down the line he can have a 1,600-yard type of season. Did they – I didn't realize that. Did they really – that's interesting. They moved up for him? I think I forgot about that. They did. They moved up for him. As a matter of fact, uh, they traded in front – and this is one of those ones where I knew it was going to happen – because they traded in front of the Houston Texans to draft him. So they knew that there was a ton of Texans, um, and we'll get to that, but there was a ton of Texans, Brees Hall, um, uh, Buzz. They brought him in for a visit, all that stuff. They traded up in front of the Texans to draft Brees Hall, and as soon as they made that move, as soon as they jumped in front of Houston, I I was sitting there watching the draft, and I was like, this has got to be for Brees Hall. It was the New York Jets have their new bell cow back. Number two uh, is really interesting because there was a chance he almost missed getting drafted. Have you seen the video? I'm talking about Kenneth Walker. Didn't didn't he almost not pick up the phone? I don't know what was happening. It kept going to voicemail, and they called the family. That went to voicemail. They called the agent. They eventually got him, but they don't take a guy if they can't get him on the phone because what if something happened to him? Yeah, you know, you never know. They they literally call these guys, a to tell them, but b to make sure they're still alive and everything's okay. Nothing happened the I night before or the last couple of days. They want to make sure. And Kenneth Walker, check out those videos. It was starting to get tense. Only like a minute left on the clock. At any rate, he had an awesome year, and he got drafted in the second round by the Seahawks. You have him as your second-ranked rookie run, running back. And the, the question here becomes with, with Kenneth Walker is what is he as a receiver? And that's an open question. Now, the one thing that we have to know, and you have to know from studying running backs over the years, is that if they aren't great receivers in college, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't be great receivers in the NFL. Doesn't mean that at all, because we've seen a whole lot of guys, just most recently, A.J. Dillon, who was who was shoehorned in and was and he was kind of pigeonholed as an 
early down grinder. I don't even think Pro Football Focus had A.J. Dillon in their top 200 overall players in their draft uh, board, and he went in the second round to the Packers, and people are like, what? What are they doing? And then A.J. Dillon all of a sudden comes out and shows he's a pretty good receiver, even though he wasn't asked to do that in college. Kenneth Walker has, was not asked to uh, to catch the ball in college. However, one thing Kenneth Walker was asked to do was to be a bell cow runner. You can make the argument, and our Graham Barfield at FantasyPoints.com did make the argument, that Kenneth Walker is the best overall runner in this class. Doesn't have the versatility, or at least hasn't shown the versatility of a Breesaw, but he's going to a team where you know Pete Carroll is going to want to run the football. They did it with Russell Wilson, and if they did it with Russell Wilson, they sure as hell are going to do it with Geno Smith, Drew Locke, Jim Zorn, whoever the hell they want to throw back there under center. Hopefully Baker Mayfield finds his way there just to give us some life on offense, but you know they're going to run the ball. And I am projecting that Kenneth Walker at some point this season, given Rashad Penny's injury history, given the uncertainty with Chris Carson, is going to be the lead back for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, here is a perfect example of why we can't overreact to Kenneth Walker not really catching the ball in college. Darren Sproles, Le'Veon Bell, Ray Rice, LaDainian Tomlinson. You'd say these guys, Ross, pretty good receiving backs in the NFL, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Darren Sproles averaged 13.5 receiving yards per game in college. Le'Veon Bell averaged 13.3. Ray Rice averaged 8.8. LaDainian Tomlinson, one of the single best receiving backs we have ever seen, averaged 5.9 receiving yards per game in college. So that just because Kenneth Walker didn't do it doesn't mean he can't. Doesn't mean he can, but it doesn't mean he can't. And if Kenneth Walker maybe even develops into a Marshawn Lynch-level receiver, somebody can give you 30, 35 catches a season, this guy's going to be a hammer RB1 for years to come. I love Kenneth Walker's skill set. I love Kenneth Walker as a runner. Um, Kenneth Walker, I think, is going to be a really good back. And frankly, I've found him to be pretty cheap in redraft. He's going in the seventh, eighth round. And I kind of like that, quite frankly. I think it's pretty interesting that the Seahawks took two pass-blocking offensive tackles with their quarterback situation and drafted Walker in the second round. I don't don't really understand that. I do understand that if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code ROSS, make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code Ross only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Pretty cool. Um, you know, this is pretty cool, Joe. Number three in your rookie running back rankings. This is when we start to get kind of interesting, I think. You've got James Cook from Georgia for the Buffalo Bills. What I find interesting about it is I've seen some reports out there, people starting to talk about him like he's going to be their starting running back. Do you think so, Joe? Uh, I don't know about that, um, but you also have to take into account how over the last two years, few teams, if any, have been as pass-heavy as the Buffalo Bills. And you bring in a guy in James Cook who you draft him in the second round, first and foremost. So if you draft a running back in the second round these days, you believe there is an elite skill there. James Cook – 
might have been the best receiving back in this entire class. As a matter of fact, I would argue he is the best receiving back in the entire class. And if you're going to an offense like Buffalo, where you know they're going to live and die on the arm of Josh Allen, a pass-catching back, something they really haven't had over the last couple of years, could be something that takes them to the next level on third downs. Now, Devin Singletary had a great year at the end of the year. Once they decided to try to stop working in Zach Moss and stop working in Matt Breida last year, and they kind of gave him the ball, their run game became something that they didn't have early in the year, just functional, the ability to do it when they needed to. I don't know if Devin Singletary is going to give that role up, but according to our, our guy Scott Barrett, his research in PPR fantasy, A target, not a catch, a target for a running back is worth 2.64 times as much as a carry is worth. So I'm looking at a running back who I project to get targets in the best passing offense, one of the best passing offenses in the entire NFL. That is a major fantasy asset. The more I watched James Cook, the more I read about James Cook, the more I heard about James Cook, the more I liked him. The fact that the Buffalo Bills took him in the second round tells me all I need to know. Might be right. That's a lot of draft capital for a guy who might be a passing down back. I don't need this guy does not need 200 carries a year to become an elite fantasy back or a really good one at the very minimum. James Cook in Buffalo, a spot I love quite a bit. Um, I have him as my third running back off the class. So that Scott Barrett stat is full point PPR, right? Full point PPR, yes. Got it. That is interesting, though. I mean, that's I, you know. Does it really matter if he starts? Uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, like, they're going to use Devin Singletary. Singletary had a nice little year last year. They're going to use him. They're absolutely going to use him. And Singletary's going to get carries. But James Cook is going to get catches. And, you know, maybe on third downs, they're, they're, they're going to try to make it a concerted effort to say, hey, Josh, we love that you can run. We love how competitive you are. But. Every now and again, especially when it's like week seven, October, instead of taking off and trying to run through a defensive tackle, how about you just dump it off to James Cook? Because it's going to save you a lot of wear and tear, and we drafted this guy just for that reason. I don't know if you can coach that out of Josh Allen, but James Cook is the type of get back who can really be an asset for Allen on third down. From these first three guys, Joe, who is the – Who's the veteran guy hurt the most? From the first, either I mean, with the Jets or with the Seahawks or with the Bills, I would say Rashad Penny. Um, because only because Rashad Penny is a guy who, if they didn't draft Kenneth Walker, is probably getting drafted in like the fifth round, just based on the way he finished last season. Now he's dropped into the double digit rounds. So Rashad Penny is probably the guy, the veteran. I don't know if I really consider Michael Carter that, who is hurt the most. Now, Michael Carter's dynasty value took an absolute tank job right now. So if you're talking, if you're talking dynasty, Michael Carter is the guy who 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 got hurt the most. But overall, I think I think Rashad Penny is the vet who got hurt the most. Next up, and remember, probably more so than the other positions, these next few guys, they could be guys. I mean, they could could win the league, Joe. They could be James Robinson, right? Yes. Um, Let's talk about – you mentioned the Texans and connected them with Brees Hall a bunch earlier. What about the Texans and Damian Pierce, the guy they did end up actually selecting? Right. So here is the thing that I want 
note about Damian Pierce. Um, first and foremost, if you're talking opportunity, there is not a better spot to land for, for a rookie running back, which is why Brees Hall would have been to yeah, – I don't even care if the Texans stink – Brees Hall would have been to the moon if he landed in this spot. Kenneth Walker to the moon if he landed in this spot. You saw the Jets traded up past the Texans to draft Brees Hall. The, the Texans then decided to wait until the fourth round to draft a running back. Now, I also don't want people to overreact here because I just talked about a guy who landed in a great spot for potential production last season who was a fourth-round pick, and he ended up being a first-round dynasty pick because of the projected opportunity. That was Michael Carter. Tell me how you're feeling today if you spent a first-round dynasty pick last year on Michael Carter because you're probably not feeling too good because that value is in the toilet. So I don't want you to overreact to Damian Pierce for being a fourth-round pick with great opportunity in Houston. But I think he's a great receiver. I think you can make an argument that the coaching staff completely underutilized Damian Pierce in Florida, and that's a coaching staff that got fired, by the way. Uh, But Damian Pierce averaged just 60.8 yards from scrimmage per game last season. That was his best season in college. But from an efficiency standpoint, he's one of the best in this class, and he's coming off one of the best efficiency seasons in recent memory. He averaged a touchdown once every 7.4 touches last season, which ranks second best among all Power 5 running backs with at least 110 touches since at 2,000. Behind only Percy Harvin, if you consider him a running back. So Damian Pierce was getting in the end zone at a massive clip. His counting stats, underwhelming. Is there a reason that Damian Pierce was not used in a bell cow role in Florida? We'd have to ask Dan Mullen that, but Dan Mullen got fired. So Florida didn't think Dan Mullen was doing such a good job. But as a receiver, I think he's got the ability to be a big-time back. I think he's going to get opportunity as a rookie. That being said, it's obvious, as we saw with Michael Carter last year, that even a solid rookie season from a fourth-round pick does not preclude a team from using a high pick on a running back the next year. So be careful with Damian Pierce. But from a redraft standpoint, Damian Pierce is looking at opportunity, and he's looking at it in spades. What about Brian Robinson, the big boy? Yeah. Who you have ranked fifth with the commanders. That's interesting, obviously, with what's going on there with Antonio Gibson. So Brian Robinson landed in a really interesting spot because I remember Greg Cosell writing for our prospect guide at fantasypoints.com that based on how he viewed the tape of Brian Robinson – he wouldn't have been shocked if Brian Robinson was the number one back on the boards of some teams. Just based on that grinding 18 to 20 carry kind of style that he can give an NFL team. So I thought that was a really interesting point because Antonio Gibson, you can make the argument, hasn't really held up in that potential role. Remember, he came in and he's trying to learn that running back position. So I thought that was interesting that Greg Costell said that. He's a former four-star recruit. He waited his turn at Alabama. You know Alabama turns out running backs. Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Najee Harris, he played behind all those guys at Alabama waited his turn and ended up having a heck of a final season, scoring 14 touchdowns, running for 13, over 1,300 yards, and actually caught 35 passes in his final year with the Crimson Tide. So Brian Robinson, 
I think has an opportunity. If Antonio Gibson doesn't really take the next step, maybe Brian Robinson's a guy you're waiting and seeing on. J.D. McKissick's there as well. But Brian Robinson, they could have him in a position to maybe take over as their lead back sooner rather than later. He's burying, he's buried right now behind Antonio Gibson, but they spent a third round pick on him. I think that means they really like this guy. Wow. That that is interesting to me. I what's wrong with Antonio Gibson? Well, I mean, I don't think that he's taken to the position as quickly as they would have hoped. You know, missing runs and all that stuff. You know, it's not nothing against Antonio Gibson. I think he's big, you think he's tough. Um, but they've also taken his best trait is receiving and they've essentially given that role to to JD McKissick. And I wonder if that's because they want to avoid overloading him. So really interesting there uh, on, uh, on Antonio Gibson and really interesting there on Brian Robinson. They spent a third round pick on this guy. So it means they like him a lot. And you look, you spent a third round pick on a running back in, in the NFL. At some point you expect them to play in the first couple of years. Yeah. I, I think there's some truth to that. What about your next guy, Tyler Algier? I know some people that really like him in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, Greg Cosell compared him to Jordan Howard. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because Jordan Howard was also a fifth-round pick when he came out uh, of Indiana. And as we well know, Jordan Howard, as a rookie for the Chicago Bears, took advantage of opportunities and as a fifth-round pick ran for 1,300 yards. Um I don't think Algier is going to run for 1,300 yards, but he's kind of got that grinding profile. He's a sustainer, and Atlanta is certainly going to have to try to run the ball more now than they did a year ago. Matt Ryan was their quarterback last year. Now they have either Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter. So as long as they're competitive in games, and for however long they can do that is an open question as well, they are going to have to try to run the ball. And Tyler Algier is going to be the best chance for them to do that. Remember, they got rid of Mike Davis, who was a disappointment last year. Cordero Patterson wore out as the year went on. I think Tyler Algier, whose best competition otherwise is Damian Williams, who's on the wrong side of 30 and is also a certain kind of player. I would actually expect Tyler Algier as a fifth-round rookie to lead the Atlanta Falcons in carries this year. But again, he was a fifth-round pick for a reason, not a dynamic talent, a certain type of back. These things can backfire, but I think he can lead Atlanta in carries this year. Wow. The Falcons are a mess, man. I mean, no offense to Algier, but Joe, I mean, come on. I mean, they're terrible, dude. How about Rashad White? Last guy I want to ask you about. Because I know John Hansen really likes him. Yeah, so this is the one I think's got an opportunity to make me look stupid, like ranking him this low. As a matter of fact, I, I, when I saw my rankings, I was like, oh, really? I have him there? And there's always that. When I go look at rankings, I always am like, oh, maybe I should reconsider that. The problem with Rashad White is Leonard Fournette was exceptional last year. We know he was a bell cow, but Leonard Fournette has injury hit problems. Um I think his three-year deal with the Buccaneers, essentially, they can get out of it after one. Rashad White was an exceptional receiver. I thought maybe the second-best receiver in this class uh, behind James Cook at the running back position. He tested extremely well. Um, Greg Cosell, in his prospect guide, written months before the draft, said, I think he's going to be the kind of guy who's going to come off the board on day two. Lo and behold, he comes off the board on day two. Now, rookie running backs behind Tom Brady 
really don't make all that much of an impact. As a matter of fact, you even go back to guys like James White, who carved out such a huge and critical role for New England. He kind of had to redshirt a little bit. You know, he had to wait his turn. And I wonder if Rashad White is going to have to wait his turn uh, to earn Tom Brady's trust, especially as a pass protector. But this guy can catch the ball. He can um, 40 yards uh, receiving in a single season. Uh, Well, let me rephrase this. Scott Barrett's stats for, for Rashad White. With all power five running backs with at least 90 rushing yards per game and 40 receiving yards per game in a single season since 2013. Rashad White, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Christian McCaffrey, and Todd Gurley. Wow. How's that list? There's not a miss on there. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, you know, injuries obviously got to Gurley. They got to Barkley. They've been getting to McCaffrey. But there's not a miss on that from a fantasy standpoint. Rashad White has a statistical an athletic profile that suggests he could be a big time fantasy running back. Check him out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. Go to fantasypoints.com. Use the code 22 feast. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker pod. Love the Joe Dolan rookie rankings. Got a fun guest for you guys next week as well. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.